my one and only grandmother has passed away. And, and I would like to take leave and go to my grandmother's funeral. And how do you, particularly Easter week, how do you deny a request like that? You just don't. And so he said to him, yeah, take the time you need. And sure enough, the next day, Brad was gone. Well, the week went on. Easter came and Monday came and the bank opened up and Brad showed up and he was there. Uh, and the boss called him into his office, asked him about how things were going and how the funeral was and wanted to make sure he had showed enough sympathy. And then he said to him, he said, Brad, I need to ask you a question. Easter has just taken place. Do you believe in the resurrection? And Brad looked back and laughed, and he said, no, I don't believe in the resurrection. That's just old stories and folly, and it, it, it really not true. His boss says, well, that's interesting. Because on Thursday, a woman called asking for you. She said she was your one and only grandmother. Now, do you believe in the resurrection? Do you believe in it? Some of you are here today, and you just don't know if it's real. Is that really true? Uh, your patron saint is Thomas, and that's fine. Because you see, I believe the risen Lord Jesus Christ loves you with all of his heart. And his greatest desire, now, now please hear this, skeptic, believer, his greatest desire is that you would be part of those who share in his resurrection. We're in the book of Mark. Mark chapter 16, I would invite you to open your Bibles to that passage of Scripture. If you don't have a Bible, there's a Bible in the pew. Please take that Bible. If you don't have a Bible at home, that Bible is your Bible. We give it to you as a gift that you might read the story of Jesus Christ and know Him as Lord and Savior. So again, Mark chapter 16 is what we're going to be studying this morning. Also in your bulletin is a sermon summary. Now, let me just ask a question. How many of you we're at the Easter egg hunt Saturday. That was just a glorious event, and I want to say thank you to Becky and all of her workers. They did a wonderful job. Sermon summary, take it out, and that way you'll have an idea of what you can take home with you from this lesson as God gives it to us in Mark chapter 16. I would ask you to stand in honor of God's Word. Mark chapter 16, beginning with verse 1. Mark 16, beginning with verse 1. Now when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, Salome, brought spices that they might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they said among themselves, who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. 
And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place they laid him. But go and tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he said to you. And so they went out quickly and fled from the tomb, for they trembled and were amazed, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Please be seated. The message of Easter. Dear friends, I believe the message of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the most important fact in all of Christendom. This resurrection of Jesus, I also believe, is the single most amazing event in all of human history. It is the story and it is the heartbeat of the gospel. Paul says of the gospel in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3 through 4, I declare unto you the gospel. Now, you may have heard many times the gospel of Jesus Christ. What is the gospel? Is it complicated? Is it something that you memorize? Is it something that if you know the gospel, your life will be changed? Yes. But what is the gospel? Paul says, this is it, that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture and that he was buried. First thing you need to understand is this. We're going to talk about this. Jesus Christ, the son of God died. Why? For you. He died for you and he was buried. He was placed in a tomb the gospel, Paul says, and that he rose again the third day according to the scripture. That's the gospel. When you hear someone talk about it, that's what the gospel means. The gospel speaks to us of what God has done for our human condition, the sin that all of us commit. And this morning, as you sang, you shared in the celebration of all of Christendom of the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, sweet friends, it's something to shout about. The resurrection of Jesus Christ means this. One, Jesus is Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah, the Son of God, the one that came to bring salvation. The, the resurrection of Jesus Christ means that what he taught us is true, that his promise of eternal life we can trust. And finally, sweet friends, what it means, the resurrection, whether you're a doubter this morning, whether you're a, a believer with all of your heart, is this, that we need not fear death if we place our faith in Jesus Christ. Now let's break that down. What does Mark want to say to us about the resurrection? Well, the first thing is this. What's the importance of Easter? To me, if I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, the first thing is this. Because of the resurrection, there's nothing impossible to God. Because of what Christ did, because he rose from the dead, in my life there is nothing that is impossible. Now, have you ever been in an impossible situation, a, a hopeless situation? You ever ask yourself, how in the world did I get here? And how in the world do I get out of this? Well, sweet friend, the resurrection says to us that God has the power working in our lives to bring us out of any kind of impossible situation. That God can remove the obstacles that hinder us. But what kind of obstacles? Life obstacles. 
Look at verse 1 and 2. If you were to describe those women that came to the tomb, how would you describe them? Matthew 16, verses 1 and 2. Now when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, Salome, brought spices that they might come and anoint him. Who are they anointing? Jesus. He's dead. And very early on the morning, the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. This morning we had a sunrise service in a cemetery. Sweet friend, most of us have been to funerals. Most of us have lost loved ones. Most of us understand what it is to weep and to cry because that one we love with all of our heart we'll never see again. February the 17th, 1991. A lady by the name of Ruth Dillow. She was at her home. A representative came to her door, knocked on her door, and told her that her son, Clayton, private first class, had stepped on an IED, and he was dead. You ever been hopeless? You ever had your heart torn out? She says, Ruth says, for three days, she grieved. The family attempted to comfort her, but if you have lost something that you love more than life, very little comfort comes. Now, Pastor, what, why are you telling us this story? Because the resurrection of Jesus Christ means the impossible obstacles God can remove. Three days after that telephone call on February the 27th, she got another telephone call. And when she lifted up, the first thing she heard is, Mom, it's me. I'm all right. February 27th, 1991, three days later. She said she didn't know what to do. She was afraid to believe. But once that boy that she birthed began to chatter, she began to laugh and to celebrate. Do you know what helplessness is? Do you know what it is to lose that which you love more than anything else? That's the darkness that covered Easter, the disappointment that came into the lives of these women who were the last to leave the cross and the first to come to the grave. Why in the world did they come to the grave? Can I ask you why you came to church today? They, they came to the grave for one simple reason. They loved. Tom Fuller says this, sometimes the things we do for the Lord, we do out of love and devotion, and we don't take time to see how truly impossible it is. We just set out. You live in a world like I live in a world. You live in a world of prejudice and racism and hatred. You live in a world that's not just. And yet we're to believe the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Yes. Because that's the kind of world Jesus came to save. You're hopeless today? You got a hope. You got a hope in one who defeated death and loves you and is willing to share that power with you. What other obstacles? Well, there's the obstacles of the soldiers. And if you go to the scripture and you read in Matthew 27, 
62 through 66, you're going to find this. On the next day, which followed the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered together to Pilate. Now, what took place? You remember, they were the ones that plotted against Jesus. They were the ones that brought him first to Pilate. They were the ones that cried, crucify him. And Pilate says, who's to blame? They said, let the blame be on us and upon our children. Now, after his death, after he's buried, they come back to Pilate with a request, saying, verse 63, Sir, we remember while he was still alive how the deceiver said, After three days I will rise. Now, you want to know who Jesus is? (laughs) He knew he was going to die, and before his death he predicted that he would raise from the grave. And he predicted it enough that his enemies were afraid of it. Verse 64, therefore command the tomb to be secure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say to the people, he has risen from the dead, so the last deception will be worse than the first. Don't be naive. The world back in the first century is just as complicated as it is today. They were just as smart as we are today. And his enemies knew that if somehow that body disappeared, they were in a heap of trouble. So secure it, Pilate. And Pilate said to them, verse 65, you have guards, go the way, make it secure as you know. So they went and made the tomb secure, sealing the stone and setting a guard. You know what that guard was? That was 16 Roman soldiers. 16 Roman soldiers who were under orders from Pilate, their commander, that no one was to take that body and nobody was to disturb that tomb. And as they left, I'm sure this was said to them, guard the tomb, the body, as if your life depends upon it. And then Pilate would have smiled and said, because it does. Dear friends, you want to talk about stealing the body of Jesus? You'd have to go through 16 Roman soldiers who knew if that body disappeared, they were going to take the body's place. They would be dead. And what does that have to do with me, preacher? Because, sweet friend, all the human forces in the world are not enough. Matthew 28, 4, And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. If you came to church this morning and you had the radio on, you heard. Sri Lanka. 250 Christians dead. 400 wounded. Bombing in three churches and luxury hotels. Dear friend, can I share with you something? Because of the resurrection, no power on earth will stop the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the minute those believers in... What's the, what's, what's the importance of the resurrection? The minute those believers closed their eyes in a horrific death, they opened their eyes in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the hope. You ever walk to the graveside, hopeless? Ever walk to the graveside thinking you'll never see your loved one again? 
the promise of the scripture is that if your loved one believed in him, put his faith, not, not paid Jesus off, not tried to be a goody two-shoes and do all the things that all these Baptist people do. No, put your faith in Jesus. Have we all learned? It's not about annuities. It's not about Social Security. Hopefully you're not trusting Congress or the President by now. It's relationship. It's the love relationship we have with one another, and it's the relationship we have with him. No human force will stop it. No political correctness with Did you read the word in there? Uh, Doug, uh, bring that up to me. Steve, bring, bring those things. There was a seal, uh, Matthew 27, 66. So they went and made the tomb secure, sealing the stone and setting a guard. Okay, we're going to talk about this in just a moment, all right? I should have Seth Blevins come up and talk about this. Stay up here, Steve. Uh, a Roman seal was placed upon the tomb. This is a seal, like the Roman seal that would have been placed on the tomb. Now, the 16 guards, that body goes, that tomb is entered, they die. And if you break this seal, this is the seal of Rome. If you break this, you violate Rome and you receive the wrath of Caesar. It's, it, it's wax. It was placed on the stone, between the stone and the wall of the mountain. And it was placed there as a sign to anyone who would try to take that body. You do and you die. But the seal was broken. It doesn't make any difference the political power you have. It doesn't make any difference what the government says. The resurrection of Jesus Christ has more power. It can release those who are in prison. It can give life. Now, you may be one of those that says, well, you know, Jesus really didn't die. Historians don't have any problem with there being a real Jesus. And most of them don't have any problem that Jesus died. You may be one of those, well, maybe he swooned. Okay? This is a cat of nine tails. Uh, Steve, would you just turn around? <laughs> I, I trust you, but I don't trust you that much. Go, no, go on back to your seat, Steve. <laughs> Somehow, we think those Roman soldiers were idiots. They were warriors. When they whipped Jesus, what they did, there was a center pole in the courtyard with an iron ring at the top. He was chained. They changed his hands to that, through that loop so he could not move. He could move back and forth. He could cringe. He could do anything he wanted, but he couldn't get away from that pole. And they took this instrument and they beat him. Many prisoners died with the beating that Jesus took. This instrument has metal in it. Theirs would have had metal. It has bone in it. 
and where they could put pieces of marble from their construction projects, they would put it on the thongs. And the man who whipped Jesus had done it many times before. You ever heard the term beaten to an inch of his life? That comes from this. Jesus didn't swoon. He was dead. And if that's not enough, and after the service, if you want to come up and use this with your children, you can. (laughs) Just do it off a church property. (laughs) This is what they pierced his side with. This was their major instrument that they used for long combat. They had a short sword that they would take out if they had to get close. But this was the means. And this is what the soldier used to jab into his side. And water and blood came out. He died for you. Those 16 that watched his tomb may have been the same 16 that were there at the cross. And they knew he was dead. You see, the obstacle to your belief may be emotion. It it, it may be in your heart and your mind that how did this take place? I, I don't know if I can believe all of this. Maybe it's physical. Maybe you're afraid of what your friends would say. Maybe you're afraid of what your boss would say. But all of that can be overcome by the resurrection. Or maybe it's a physical impasse. Verse 3, And they said among themselves, Who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? And when they looked up, they saw the stone was rolled away. Get a physical impairment? You got a mental impairment? You got an obstacle that's so big that nobody can help you? Let Jesus roll it away. The important thing about that verse is a little word, and the word is who. Who is the one that will give you the power to overcome obstacles? It's Jesus. The stone was one to two tons. It would take at least three men to roll it back uphill. But it was rolled. Why? Now please hear this. What is all of this? Because God will move heaven and earth to have you with him. That's how much God loves you. Why did he do this for us? We had that Easter egg hunt. And and you know what I saw, I observed, other than little children picking up Easter eggs? I saw a whole group of young mothers who were sleep deprived, all right? If you've ever had a baby, you know what that is. Why do you women do that? 
You know, I could ask you why you put up with your husbands, but that's another sermon in itself. Because you love. Now you ask me why he loves you and I can't explain it. But he does. Enough to be beaten half to death, enough to be stripped naked and nailed to a tree. That's how much he loves you. And that if that's not enough, the resurrection proves that nothing is impossible to God. He'll send his messengers. He'll make intercession. The angel was there in verse 5. An angel that serves the Lord with all of his life and everything in him. And those angels still surround us. It's interesting when we meet a celestial being, when we meet an angel like that. The scripture says they were alarmed. The word alarmed there means to be strongly in fear, to be agitated, literally terrified. For, for some of you, that's the thing that hinders you from following the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because you're scared to death. If you were to give your life to Jesus, what would Jesus ask you to do? If you would let go to God and God would take over your life, what in the world would he have you doing? The same thing he did with women. He'd do in your life that which is best for you. He'd guide you in a path that is right for you. He would preserve your soul. Because the final obstacle was death. And death has been defeated. The scripture says in Mark 16, 6, he is not here. You want to know what makes Christianity different from every other religion? It's that. It's the resurrection of Jesus Christ that makes our faith different from all others. He's not here. He's alive. And sweet friend, he waits for you. He longs for you. He loves you with an undying love. The resurrection of Jesus Christ proves nothing's impossible to God. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ is God's message for everyone. He is risen. That's the message for us. The women were filled with despair. There was doubt inside. They were shaken. And then they heard from the angel, he is risen. That's the message we have. He is no longer dead. He is alive. In the Greek, that's one word. And it speaks of the greatest miracle mankind has ever experienced, ever seen. It is the core of our faith. Our Lord and Savior is not buried in a tomb. He's not hidden away. He's alive. And if he is risen, we don't have to fear, for there is life beyond the grave. Look at verse 16. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where he is laid. We don't have to be afraid of death because he conquered death. And who is he going to give that to? Look at what he says next. The angel says unto those women, go and tell his disciples and Peter. Why? Now, you're going to say to me, but pastor, you don't know who I am. You don't know what I've done. God could never save me. 
Well, sweet friend, the angel said, who do I want you to go talk to? I want you to go talk to Parkway Baptist Church. No, that's my job. Who to talk to? Those that had betrayed him. Those that had said, we don't know who you are. And Peter, who had cursed his name. Is God looking for goody two-shoes? No. He's looking for all of us who have forsaken him and denied him and walked our own way. Jesus refused to forsake those that denied him. And to them he offers reconciliation and forgiveness. That's what he offers you. You skeptic this morning? If all I said is true, what are you going to say to Jesus when you face him? Are you going to make your case about how bad your life was? Are you going to match your scars against his scars? What are you going to say to him if what I say is true? When he has offered you reconciliation and forgiveness of everything you have ever done. Can I go back to why? He loves us. This world torn by hatred and envy and strife, he loves us. Why is it for all of us? Because we need not be afraid of death, because we have reconciliation, and because Jesus will lead us, and we will follow his guidance. Look at what it says in verse 7, 16, that he is going before you into Galilee. Not only did the angel say, he's not here, he's risen, but then he gave him in them instructions Jesus is going to lead you. He led them to Jerusalem to his death and to his suffering. And he will lead them now into something that will change the world. And where does he say to go to? Galilee. Why Galilee? Because Galilee is where Jesus performed his greatest miracles. Where he calmed the sea. You got a disturbed sea. You got a family that's torn apart and at odds with each other. You got a business that's going down the tube. You got a broken relationship with a loved one. You got a troubled sea. That's where Jesus calmed it. That's where Jesus healed the madman. That's where Jesus fed the multitudes. He led them back to where the greatest spiritual victories were seen, to remind them again that he had won the victory. He is Lord. And the last thing, there you will see him as he said to you. You will see Jesus. Because of the resurrection, when you die, 
I read a, an interesting article in the St. Louis Post Dispatch. It was an article. Or let me just ask the question: When are you dead? Hopefully, none of you say right now, Pastor. All right. When your heart stops, right? That's exactly right. You know what they're finding out? After your heart stops, you're still cognitive. You still know what's going on. You still, they will tell those that have had heart attacks and have died, their heart stops. Enough of them have come back to say, I heard the doctor say, he's dead, she's dead. I could see what was going on around me. You know what they're finding out? When your heart stops, your brain doesn't. And it continues on. Sweet friends, you weren't made for 60 or 70 years. You were made for eternity. And God has placed inside of your genome pool the ability even after you're dead, be cognitive. You will see Jesus. The resurrection of Jesus Christ proves there is nothing impossible to God. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is God's message for everyone, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ has two action points. Look at verse 15. Chapter 16, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel. What's the first action point? Travel beyond your comfort zone. And he said to them, <clears throat> go into all the world. Uh, you're in a Baptist church. Let me show you something about Baptist. We're a cantankerous people. We've been from the very beginning. Now, are we the only church of Jesus Christ? No. Any group that believes in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and obeys him and follows him, they're individuals who are Christians. But our people come from a group of stubborn individuals that said baptism is an act of obedience unto the Lord Jesus Christ, not salvation. And it cost. Our ancient relatives are anti-Baptist, those against baptism. Baptism of babies. That's just our background. That's who we are. Okay? Uh, if you haven't read the National Enquirer recently, you probably don't know that much about us. Okay? But, but that's who we are. But we come, the Anabaptists, come from the Moravian Brethren. The Moravian Brethren were in Germany in 1727. And the Moravian Brother, they began to pray. They had around-the-clock prayer meeting, 1727, for a hundred years. Now, I don't know if it was the same people that prayed for a hundred years or not, but it had to be different ones. You know what they were praying about? Their lost world. And out of the Moravian brethren, they sent missionaries all over the world. Jamaica, South America, Africa, into Asia. You know how they did it? 1727. The Moravian brothers from Germany would sell themselves, particularly in Jamaica, into slavery in order that they might evangelize the slaves. 
And before they left Germany, <clears throat> Pastor, what is all? Uh, travel. The action points. Travel beyond your comfort zone. Before they left Germany, the Moravian brothers would gather together and those missionaries they sent out, they would hold their funerals. And what they were saying is this, I'm willing to die to share the gospel of Jesus. What do you think of people like that? I mean, are they fools? Are, can I ask you, is there something worth dying for? Jesus thought there was. If you want to know what are the major problems we have in this church and every church, it's people who are willing not just to sit, but to serve. Travel beyond your comfort zone. That's the action point. And share the gospel till everyone knows. Look at what it says. And preach the gospel to every creature. Preach the gospel to every creature. Uh, <clears throat> you may think that Christianity in North America is dying. Can I share this with you? There are over 2.3 billion Christians in the world. That's twice as many as the number of Muslims. No disrespect to Muslims. Christianity is the fastest growing faith in the world. There are over 400,000 missionaries that take the gospel to every part of the planet. There are more Christians in China than any other nation. The current rate of growth, even with the persecution of Christians in China, will be more than the entire population of the United States in 2030. The number of Christians, the largest Christian church is the redeemed Christian church of God in Nigeria. Christianity is moving forward. Why? <clears throat> because there's nothing, no other religion, no other philosophy that says you don't have to be afraid of death. There's no other religion, no other philosophy that says God loves you so much that when you have denied him, if you come to him in faith, he will reconcile you and forgive you. And there's no other faith that says, I'm looking forward to seeing you in my home. So what does all of that mean? I don't know if you've ever heard of a person by the name of Dr. Martha Myers. Dr. Martha Myers from, was from Montgomery, Alabama. She graduated from Sanford University, attended the medical school at UAB. <clears throat> she graduated with her residency OBGYN from South Alabama. She went to the mission field. Where did she go? Yemen. Yemen. Go outside your comfort zone, share the gospel with everyone. Dr. Martha Myers, for 22 years, gave free care to the women and children in Yemen. 
showing them the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. In 2002, a man walked into the Baptist hospital in Yemen carrying what looked like a child wrapped in a blanket. It was a rifle. He pulled out the rifle and shot four missionaries. Three of them died, including Dr. Martha Myers. When asked why he shot her, the gunman said, my wife has been coming to Dr. Myers for physical and medical help. And she has led her to the Lord, Jesus. She's spreading the love of Jesus in my nation, and soon she would have converted everyone. And that's why he killed her. Yemen. On the day she was buried in Yemen, Dr. Martha Myers, 40,000 of the nation of Yemen lined the streets. Thousands gathered at her burial. In a nation where Christians are punished by death, many of those 40,000 sang, He is Lord, and prayed the Lord's Prayer in Arabic. Why? Because he is risen, the resurrection. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I would ask in these moments that truly, Lord, your spirit of love would speak to everyone here this morning and share with them right now, Lord, how much you love them and that, Lord, you're going to forgive them of all if they'll turn their face toward you, if they'll accept the gift, the gift of salvation the gift that Jesus gave upon the cross. And Heavenly Father, put an explanation mark on it at the empty tomb. It's faith. It's faith. But Heavenly Father, when you look at it logically and you see what has come from the resurrection of Jesus, there's no other explanation than this is a power beyond this earth. It is the power of Christ. It is the power of a loving creator. It is a power of a father that doesn't want to lose one of his children, but is willing to do the most, the most outrageous act to save us. And so, Lord, my prayer is this. Melt the heart with love. Reach the spirit with something that goes beyond not only our mind, but our intentions and our drives, our passions. And let there be an agreement made between these, your children, and you that will last through all eternity because Jesus loves them. Bless them now. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. <clears throat> How do you get into this club? Can't buy your way in. <laughs>